It's good to be back with you today. Uh, last week I was gone and uh, got to go to Chicago, and I'm glad I'm back. <laughs> Let me just say that. Um, you know, I'm not a city person. I'm just so glad I'm back here in the mountains where things are a little bit slower, right? And, you know, but here's the thing. I was surprised about how nice people were, or, you know, where we were at. I was expecting the opposite, but it was just really strange. Everybody was super nice and um, you know, call me yes, sir, and my wife, yes, ma'am, and, you know, it was just really a nice place, uh, but there's really no place like home, is there? I mean, just coming back home is so good, but it's good to be back. Uh, we're in our current series called Reflections, and just to give you a roadmap of where we're going from here, uh, this series is going to end at some point, uh, not today. So we're going to be going today and then two more weeks, unless God just says, keep going, all right, and then we'll keep going. Um, but we're going to uh, continue in that series today. And today we're going to be talking about the Old Testament law. Who's excited? Am I the only one? Man, I get excited about this stuff, I'm telling you. The Old Testament law, it's exciting. So prepare yourself for an exciting message today. <laughs> All right. So Old Testament law, what do I mean by law? What do I mean by that? That's a small, big word, all right, you know, three letters, but man, it's, it's a broad term. There's all kinds of stuff packed and jammed into those three letters. There's a lot there. You know, when we hear the word law in referring to the Old Testament, you could break it down into three categories. First of all, there's the moral law, and that's what we think about when we hear t the Ten Commandments, okay, and I just got to tell you, there's more than 10, all right? There's a lot. 10 are the, the main categories that we put all the rest in. But if you read Exodus chapter 20 all the way through chapter 24, you'll find probably hundreds of, of commandments, right? But that is the moral law. And then we have ceremonial laws, which you pick up after uh, Exodus 24 and into Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Man, those are ceremonial laws in and around the tabernacle regarding sacrifices and things like that. And then there are civil laws, which are laws that we're used to, you know, government type of laws. So does anybody like laws? Some people, yeah, maybe. Anybody ever get frustrated at silly laws and regulations? You're like, That's, what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a few of those. Hey, I want to read some to you, okay? You ready? All right, I, I looked these up. In Delaware, it's illegal to whisper in church. It's funny. You know, some of these laws were put in place a long time ago, and they just haven't been, you know, taken off yet or whatever. All right, so I know we got some Alabama fans here, so I want to make fun of you this morning, okay? Uh, Alabama, it's illegal to wear a fake mustache in church. Jason, is yours real? Okay. It's also illegal in Alabama to have bear wrestling matches. <laughs> so keep that in mind if you move to Alabama. Indiana, it's illegal to throw a rock at a bird unless it's in self-defense. <laughs> oh, get this. Okay, so we're watching all these presidential debates and stuff like that. Okay. In New Mexico... Idiots are not allowed to vote. 
Like that's literally in the law. I mean, I read it, and it's, it says idiots. Right? I mean, I don't know. So, uh, Illinois, where I was at, okay, where I was at, it's illegal to ride a bicycle in a fancy manner. Don't know what that means. Okay, in Virginia, this is the last one because we got to move on. We got to talk about God. Uh, Virginia, it's illegal to wash a mule on sidewalks. So, you know, when you go home today, just keep that in mind. Get it off the sidewalk and into the grass. But so, really though, have you ever thought about God's law in that in, in that way? Like, that's silly. Why is, why is that there? Have you ever wondered if and how the laws of God in the Bible apply to us, right? Sure you have. We all have. We all do. It's, there's so much there. Uh, it's confusing, really. It's, it's a lot of information. But here I just want to tell you, as children of God, as people of faith, we need to be concerned about the law because it's from God. It's, it's his law. We need to have a good grasp on it. So this morning, I'm going to try to get through this quickly. Three things. I want to share three things about the Old Testament law, okay? And then three things about Jesus' relation to the law, okay? So let's begin. And I want you to take note of this. You can write it down. But uh, the first thing that we're going to talk about is the law was given to show us how to live. The law was given to show us how to live. Here's one thing we know about God, especially if you read in the Old Testament. Okay? God is holy. God is holy. And man is not holy. Okay? That is just a summarization of the Old Testament. God is holy. Man is the opposite. Man is not. So we needed direction. We needed a roadmap. If God wants us to be holy, well, how do we do that? Okay? God showed us how to do that. Look, we need direction, okay? We need rules. I'm pretty sure if there weren't, wasn't rules, my kids would destroy my house and my neighborhood and just keep going, okay? We need rules. Look, Leviticus 19.37, look at this. Keep all my decrees and all my laws and follow them. I am the Lord, Notice the emphasis here on my. Whose laws are they? Whose decrees are they? They're God's. They were instructions for his people to, to follow. They were his laws, his decrees for his people, right? You might say, well, it seems to me like there's a whole bunch of restrictions. Like the, the law is a whole bunch of don'ts, right? I've heard that, and I've, I've actually thought that myself. But it's not just that. God's laws are not just a bunch of don'ts, but they are a roadmap to blessing. Okay? We need to think that way. They are for God's honor, yes, but they are also for you and me, for the people of God's benefit and blessing. Look at Deuteronomy 7, verse 11. Therefore, notice the language here, therefore, take care to follow the commands decrees and laws I give to you today. If you 
pay attention to these laws and are careful to follow them, then the Lord your God will keep his covenant of love with you as he swore to your ancestors. And if you read on and on here in chapter 7 of Deuteronomy, it talks about all this blessing that will follow. But notice if, if, and then then. You see, it's contingent upon following and honoring and paying attention to God's laws. So the people of Israel, they needed this. They needed a standard to go by. Look, they were bad before, but they had been in captivity, in bondage, in slavery in Egypt for 400 years, right? I mean, just think of the generations that were there. And by the time they came out of there, did they know how to live? The only thing they knew was Egypt, right? They needed direction. They needed guidance. They needed God to step in and say, well, here's how you live. You've been here for so long. This is how you need to live. And in reality, look, listen, we need that too. There's not that much difference between us and the people of Israel. Maybe some time, maybe some distance, maybe some culture. But we're all human, okay? We need direction too. We struggle with sin as well, which leads us to the next reason for the law. So take note of this. The law was given to show us the reality of our sin. Notice I didn't put the reality of sin. The reality of our sin. So it's individual, it's personal. The law, look, the law exposes our sin. It exposes your sin. It exposes my sin. It shows us exactly who we are in relation to God's holiness. Remember, God is holy. The law shows us that God is holy, but it also shows us that we are not. Okay? It reveals that to us. It's it's a litmus test to show us truthfully who we are in relation to a holy God. You know, you may look in a mirror. All of us probably looked in a mirror this morning. You know, you look in a mirror and you turn and, you know, Maybe do this and turn on the light and see how you look. And you're thinking, well, I look pretty good this morning. I'm looking good this morning, right? You know, I got 75% of my wrinkles out of my clothes. That's good, right? The hair's... uh, I was going to say something else, but that summarizes it for me. Yeah. But, you know, you look in the mirror and you're good. You're good. But then you come across a picture and you're like, do I look like that? (laughs) Right? You've been there. You're like, that's not me. Oh, the camera adds 10 pounds. Or the camera adds 10 years. Right? You see the difference there? You, You think you look one way, but then something is reveals to you that you don't, that you look completely different we need something else to show us who we really are because sometimes we have a false view of ourselves you see look many people will say that they're good if you go out and you ask people are you a good person yeah i'm a good person you might think you're a good person look but according to whose standards whose whose standards are you using yours right you know Osama bin Laden thought he was doing good according to his standards. 
Saddam Hussein thought he was doing good according to his standards. You name any person out there that's done something wicked, Hitler, any, anybody like that, they are thinking that they're doing good according to their own standards. God's standards are pretty high. And here's the thing. They never change. They never change. They're always, always the same. So the law was given to us so that we, all people, could see the reality of our sin. And so we could see the standard of God. Okay, look, I want you to look at Romans 3 with me. Verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law. Look at this. So that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore... No one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. You see, the law shows us the reality of our sin. And here's something that I'm going to repeat twice because it's shocking. Okay. The law was never meant to be something for us to obey completely. I'll say it again. The law was never meant to be something for us to obey completely. Remember that song? I don't know if it was the 70s or 80s. I fought the law and the law won. Look, the, the law wins every time. Every time. It's too hard. It's too demanding. It demands perfection, okay? Who's perfect? Nobody. Nobody is perfect. Even if you kept every law but one, the Bible says you're guilty of breaking the whole law. Nobody's perfect. So listen, the law was never meant to be something for us to keep perfectly because it's impossible due to our sin nature. You might say, well, that sounds like God's setting us up for failure. Right? I mean, why give us something knowing that we can't do it? Why give, why give a child a puzzle that can't be worked? Why do that? So he would ask for your help. So he would realize that he couldn't work it. And he would ask for your help in completing it. Which leads us to the third thing. The law was given to show us our need of salvation. Okay. The law, sh the law showed us that we needed something to counter sin. Something greater than sin. Something to fill the gap between us and God. Between our sinfulness and his holiness. So the law didn't just reveal to us that we are sinners, but it reveals to us that we are sinners in need of salvation. We need to be saved. We need help. We need salvation. We need forgiveness. So look, within the law itself, okay, within the law itself, God made ways for people to be forgiven. When laws were broken, a sacrifice was required to make restoration, to make restitution, to provide forgiveness. All this was tied within the law. It was built in. And look, these sacrifices, they were ongoing. 
They happened all the time, and they were meant to happen all the time. They were to happen continually as people sinned, as individuals sinned. And on top of that, once a year, the high priest would make a sacrifice for all the people, you see. So personally, it's going on all the time. Every time you sin, sacrifice. Then once a year, the high priest would do it for all the people. But here's the issue. This was only a temporary solution. I mean, if you had to do it all the time, how powerful is that? It was, it was just a Band-Aid. It was superficial. How? Well, the sin, that one sin, was atoned for, but the sinner remained. The person didn't change. Same thing with, happened with Noah. You know, God wiped out the entire world and left Noah. We could say he cleansed the world, but he really didn't cleanse it 100%. You know, Lysol kills 99.9% of bacteria. I'm like, what about the 0.1%? All right, so Noah was the 0.1%. The, the sinner still remained. So there was this issue. There was this problem. So why the law then? Why the law at all if it didn't solve the problem? Well, the, act, the law was actually a shadow of something better. Okay? It pointed to something or someone greater. Look at Galatians 3.19. Why then was the law given at all? So you see, you feel good? There was somebody questioning that back then. You know, why was the law given at all it was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come you see the seed there refers to Jesus he was the seed promised to Abraham and so I don't know if you ever thought about it this way the law was given to us sort of on a temporary basis because of our sin and to show us our need to be saved from sin and to begin to turn our hearts and our minds towards a Savior. The law was a, you ever been reading a book and you know you need to get up and go do something and you, you put a bookmark in there or a placeholder? The law was a placeholder for Jesus. The law was a prequel to Jesus. Actually, in our series, the law is a reflection of Jesus. Which brings us to our discussion about the relationship between Jesus and the law. So, three things about Jesus and the law. First thing, through Jesus, the law was fulfilled. Okay, we're, we're familiar with that terminology, at least. What does fulfilled mean? Well, fu fulfilled means completed. Completed. The law was completed in Jesus. Look at Matthew 5, 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Well, how did Jesus fulfill the law? Well, he was the Messiah. You know, if you step back and take a bird's eye view of the Old Testament, you can see bits and pieces of, oh, somebody's coming, right? It pointed to somebody, a savior that is coming, a king, a lord, a ruler, somebody to free the people of Israel from bondage and to lead them and to rule over them right and Jesus is that he is the Messiah so he fulfilled it that way he was also born under the law 
the gospel is very clear about using that terminology. He was born under this law. He came into this world while the law was in effect and was born under the law. And here's the thing. He lived a perfect life. All right. So the Old Testament law, if it was God's instructions to show us how to live, Jesus lived the law out. And by looking at him, we see how to live, you see. He lived a perfect life. No sin was found in him. He obeyed all the laws completely and perfectly, and he showed us how to live. And he also died under the law. Who said crucify him? It wasn't the Romans. You see, he, he, he lived a perfect life and he, under the law, he was born under the law and he died under the law, so he completed it. He fulfilled the law. He did something we couldn't do. He worked the unworkable puzzle, right? He did that. Jesus achieved something we could not. He fulfilled the law. So you might say, what about the law now? What about it now? Was it over? Next thing I want to share with you about Jesus in the law. Through Jesus, a new law was given. A new law was given. So after Jesus rose from the dead, he gave a new law. And look, say all you want to about Jesus, but you had to have great authority to say, hey, I'm giving a new law. On behalf of God, this is the new law here. Okay? So we see the authority of Jesus. Jesus was asked by, asked by a religious scribe. And you know what a scribe is? A scribe is an expert. So he would be a lawyer. Okay? He was asked by an Old Testament lawyer what was the greatest commandment. And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. So the scribe asked for one, what's the greatest? Jesus gave him two, right? Love God and, and love others. And Jesus said this, which is truly remarkable. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. He took the whole Old Testament law, what this guy was supposed to be an expert in, and said, oh, you know all that stuff? It's, it's about these two things right here. It's about love. You love God and you love others. That's all those rules, all those laws, all, the, all those regulations. Yeah, it's, it's about these two things here. Love is, is the new command. To, to love, not, uh, love's a loaded word too, isn't it? That's another big, small word, small, big word. It's not just love, but it's love like Jesus. Let me show you. John 13, 34, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. We might say, I love pizza, or I love ice cream, or I love baseball, or I love fishing. This is very specific. The command, the new law, is to love like Jesus, to love like he loved by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if 
You see, there's another contingency. If you love one another. So this is a command. I don't know if you ever thought about this or not. This is a command by God. And we are to take it seriously. Here's, th- here's something I know that's too true. We focus too much on the old law and we completely ignore the new law. And we judge others based on the old law. And we look at them and we're like, ah, those people aren't right with God because they're not in the old law. But we fail to heed the new law. What's interesting here, look, for yourself and for how you judge others, look, what, what the Lord, the King of Kings says here is you are not known by the old law. What you're known by is the new law. The law of love. So many people get tied up in trying to make sure that they're in line with the old law and trying to obey all those regulations. And Jesus says, no, it's not about that. It's about the new law. That's what you'll be known by. The law of love. Do do people know you that way? Do people know you by how you love others? And look, look, I get it. You might say, well, I'm not a loving person. I'm, look, I'm not either. You know what I mean? I don't know how else to explain that. Some people are just naturally, you look at them and they're, oh, loving. I, and me, I struggle to love, right? Or at least to show that. But it doesn't necessarily mean that. You don't have to be a loving person to love, okay? But are you caring? Do you have a reputation for being hospitable, being forgiving, showing compassion, showing mercy, helping others, right? If you look at Jesus and the way he acted and the way he treated others, that's love. That's love. And I know we look at that and we say, that's a lot, isn't it? To love the way Jesus did, is, is that another impossible thing that God's asking us to do? In many ways it is. I fail every day at it. I have a hard time with that myself. But along with this new command, Jesus also gave us something else. He gave us a completely new life, a life of freedom and grace. And here's the last thing. Through Jesus, we have a new life of freedom and grace. I'm so thankful for that. We not only have a new law to live under, but we have a new way of life, a, a new life, a life of freedom and grace in Jesus. You know, this week we celebrate our independence, right? We celebrate our freedom. And, you know, we read history books and things like that and, and think back to the, the way things were before this. And we're thankful for the way things are now, aren't we? I mean, we are, we are free. We are a free nation. When we look at Jesus, I don't know if you ever thought about this or not. Probably not. Okay. Jesus set us free from so many things. But when I say that, what do we think about? Sin, death, right? Do you ever think about the law? No. But Jesus set us free from the law. He provided a new life of freedom. I want to show you what I'm talking about here. Acts 13, verse 38. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, 
the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. Listen to this, okay? Listen. A justification you are not, not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Freedom. You see, the law couldn't change someone's heart. Think about it. You break the law now, you can get a speeding ticket or something. What do you do? Pay the fine and move on with your life. And guess what you're going to be doing next week? Speeding. You see, you, you made restitution. You're good according to the law. But it didn't change the way you think. It didn't change your heart. You see, that was, that's the Old Testament law. It didn't change anything on the inside. It was only superficial. It was legalistic. It was ritualistic. And what Jesus did was he set us free from being bound to that old law. And he created a new law in which we can experience freedom and grace. So for us, I need you to listen. For us, we need to learn to live in our new life. It's different. If you think about living in grace, it's something different. It's something you have to learn to live in. I know many times when we mess up, when we stray, we go through difficulties, we think we got to somehow work our way back into God's graces. We think that, don't we? And that's not true, though. Jesus fixed that. He fixed it. Look at Galatians 5.1. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. See, this is referring to the law. It was a burden. They were enslaved to this. And Jesus set us free for that. I know for many of us, our sin keeps us from becoming the people of God that he wants us to be. And for me, my past kept me from my future, right? I kept feeling God leading me, God calling me and doing things and moving forward for him. But I kept thinking about my past, right? Kept thinking, man, I, you know, I can't do that because of something I did a long time ago. I struggled with that for a long time. Do you, do you see how the law can keep you hostage? Okay. Your past struggles, all that stuff, your, your mistakes, your mess-ups, if you think about those things in a legalistic way, it can keep you held hostage. It can keep you from moving forward. But the grace of Jesus is what freed us from that, from having to feel that, from having to feel like you've got it all together, from having to feel like you're, you're perfect. And if you're not perfect, then you're a failure. That's not grace. The thing is, here's the thing. God does demand perfection. He hasn't changed. He's the same God that gave those laws back in Exodus. He demands perfection, but he supplied perfection in Jesus. He, he supplied it. So for we who are imperfect, we are to look to the one who is perfect. You see, 
because in him is found both freedom and grace. And this verse isn't on the screen, but I just had to share it with you. We all know it. It's in Matthew chapter 11, and Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. And in the, King Je- or the New King James Version, it says heavy laden. And this scripture, we use it for a lot of reasons. We think about a lot of different things. But in the context, he's talking about the law. He's talking about the restrictions, the rules, the regulations, everything that weighs a, perf- a person down. And Jesus says, no. Come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary, who are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Isn't that good? That's what Jesus said to do. He, look, he has forgiven you. He paid the price for your sin. He has set you free free to live for God and free to live your life and to experience his grace and his forgiveness forever. Man, that's so good. I want to finish right there. Okay, I had a lot more to go over with you. Some of you are like, yes. But no, I kind of feel it. I kind of feel it. Uh, I feel God wanted me to stop here because I think a lot of you, a lot of us struggle with this. You may be here this morning and you're struggling with your past. Not able to get over that. Either you bring it up or somebody else does and you think about it all over again. Or you might be struggling with your present right now. And you're embarrassed to come to church. You're embarrassed to talk about God. You feel like a hypocrite. Look, this is such a big thing in our lives. I know it is. And I just want to say this. Come to Jesus. All who are weary and heaven burdened. And he will give you rest. He will give you rest. He gives you grace. You see, look. I'm going to pray after this statement. It's not about restrictions. It's not about regulations. It's not about rituals. It's about a relationship. I know we talk about having a relationship with the Lord, and we don't really know what it means. Well, here's what it means. So when the laws were broken, when you sinned, you gave a sacrifice immediately. It was ongoing. That shows us that our relationship with Jesus, the perfect one, the one who completed the law, when we're struggling, we go to him when we need to. Even if it's every day, even if it's a couple of times a day, we go to him. He gives us love and he gives us grace. I wonder if you need to do that today. If today you would just say enough, you know, God, I'm going to trust in you. You did this you completed this you provided a way for me to be forgiven and for me to be right with you and for me to have a new life of freedom and grace and I want to move forward in that I don't want to feel like a captive anymore I, w- I want to live in the freedom you provided if that's you today I just challenge you to do that to give your struggles 
your challenges, your difficulties, and lay them before the Lord. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we love you and we thank you for the message you gave us. When we look at the law, we see your perfection, but we also see uh, how short we fall from that. And we look at the procedures that you put in place, the sacrifices where you made ways for us to have our sin forgiven. And through that process, you showed us that we ultimately needed a Savior. So we thank you for sending Jesus to save us. We thank you that he lived a perfect life and showed us how to live. Through that, he fulfilled the law and was able to do something we couldn't and was able to save us from it and was able to conquer both sin and death. And through that, Father, Jesus gives us a new life of freedom and grace. And if there's someone here that is uh, outside of your family, that doesn't know you, that has never had a relationship with you, I pray that this morning they would give their life to you, that they would just say, Lord, I'm yours. I believe in you. I believe that you gave your life for my sins. I place my faith and my trust in you. Father, I pray for that person, that they would do that today. And they would, they, starting today, they would live in their new life of freedom and grace. And those of us that are believers already, I know it's so easy for us to fall into the trap of having to go through a checklist or having to be so good or if we mess up, we feel like a failure. Father, that's, that is not true at all. The gospel tells us otherwise. Help us to focus on the grace and love and freedom that is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ and to live our lives both broken and restored, both realizing that we need you but understanding that you've already helped us and you continue to help us along the way. Help us to live a life that honors and glorifies you to where we truly love you and we love others and we love the way that Jesus loved. In his name we pray, amen.